My guests this episode are two of the leading lights in the Irish hip-hop and grime world. If you were at a summer festival last year, chances are they were on the lineup somewhere. And if you have a ticket for one this year, well then maybe get down the listings because no doubt they're on there again too. Now I said when I started this podcast I was never going to censor it in an effort to always maintain the integrity. But upon reflection and after consulting with my highly paid team of legal advisors which I keep on retainer, you might hear the odd... Because to be honest, neither myself nor my guests are about that court case life. This is Mango and Mathman. In all honesty, what do you think it's going to take for Irish rap, hip-hop, grime, whatever, to reach a stage where it'll be accepted alongside the likes of its UK and US counterparts, but by the average paddy in the street? Not to stop and just go, oh, he just thinks he's Eminem, or he thinks he's fucking Tupac. What do you think it's going to take for that to change? More quality music, first of all, and that's consistently delivered by... Every single artist that's uh, like practicing and making music in this scene right now, more quality music, um, then more profile. So, profile is very important in terms of how the average person in Ireland will accept this kind of new medium or new genre of music that's kind of slightly alien to them, coming from an Irish perspective or with an Irish accent. So, the more we get media outlets, radio stations, uh, publications, platforms behind this genre and starting to uh, promote it and give a profile, it will be an easier sell to the average Irish person, male or female. Um, So both of those things work hand in hand. If the quality of the music and the standard of the music and the quality of the artistry is good enough for platforms and media outlets to get behind, then they can take that and give it to the public. Like There was a a real watershed moment for me about... uh, two, three weeks ago. I don't watch this show, but just happened to be on when I was eating me dinner. Yeah. Dancing with the stars. <laughs> <laughs> watch him now, just lie to your face. Dermot Bannon's Incredible Homes. Yeah, right? so yeah, yeah. Dermot Bannon was quoting Badman lyrics in it. <laughs> yeah. um, I saw this um, and was on it and she was talking about, um, or she was asked a question about why she's supporting urban music in Ireland, blah, 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 blah. And she was talking about how good it is and it's the most exciting genre that's, that's coming out of Ireland right now. And she mentioned um, a couple of artists, ourselves included, um, to the panel. And to the panel that's on, like they wouldn't or shouldn't really know about our genre of music at this point. But when our names were mentioned, they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we know those guys. And yeah, this is really, really great. And they were so enthusiastic about it that I'd never, ever seen or heard something like this before from a media platform or outlet disconnected from what we do. So that, to me, was a real signifier that this is moving in the right direction. Do you not think there's an element of that, though, in the over-excitedness of TV presenters always looking to look informed? Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, we know them, blah, blah, blah. Can't imagine down the raves, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) White top (laughs) is deaf on the raves. (laughs) Everybody you could have picked up. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. man. He's selling whiffs. <laughs> <laughs> He's selling whiff. You want controversy, Royce? So there we are. Right? <laughs> Operation for he, yeah, he got done up a couple of years. Operation Anvil. Do you remember that? <laughs> cleared out, cleared out the mountain. In terms <laughs> of that quality and in terms of it being accepted, do you think that's achievable in the short term, or do you think this is like a ten-year thing? Like. Yeah, it's five, ten years away. But what you're seeing now is, is the seeds were planted many, many years ago. But what you're seeing now is is the roots develop and the the buds of something that will be really, really big and genuinely the biggest genre to to come out of Ireland um, within the next five to ten years, hands down. Both from a you know the the, the cultural and social makeup of 
of Ireland right now and the exciting stuff that's happening within this genre as as all of that starts to evolve at a social, artistic, um, uh, cultural level, five, ten years' time, uh, urban music, street music will be the most exciting thing to come out of Ireland. I think it's one of those situations whereby it's that age-old Irish bollocks of you have to go away and blow up to come back and stir that scene up. <laughs> it feels like a man of fortune. And I think like a lot of people have to get the fuck out of Ireland. Not a lot. Like I mean, thank God we have support now. But like, what happens is if you support like the one artist that pops out, like Maverick Sabre, right? Say he pops... He had to go to England because his contemporaries around the same time weren't up to his standards. So then he's the biggest fish in the smallest pond. So you have to go away, unfortunately. Um, And we're trying to change that to be like, there's a whole wave of people coming in, you know that way? That's not just in like hip hop and soul music circles either though. You look at it in electronic music circles. You look at like Gav Lynch, Matador, Mano Latuff, you know, two lads that they could barely... They were getting all right gigs around town and around the country, but, you know, Richie Haunton turns to Gav and he's like going, hey man, come sign the Minus. And then all of a sudden he's one of the biggest techno acts in the world. You look at like Mano Latuff signed to international DJ Gigolos, it blew up from there, he's now touring the world non-stop. And, yeah. you know, they're like commanding massive fees now at home as well. But they had to go away and do that. You well, know? Like, that's also reflective of the, the size of the country in which we live in. Mm. Um, Ireland is a very, very, very small country. Um and the music industry here and the music infrastructure around the, the, the industry here is, isn't great. It's you know? of it, yeah. And because of that, artists, DJs, producers do have to go to London. They do have to go to Berlin or outside of Ireland to grow, develop and um, reach more people. Because Ireland isn't... Like, you can't make a living as a professional musician in Ireland alone. It's as simple as that. If you look at the opportunities to play, the fees that can be commanded or asked for, um, and then making money off ancillary stuff within Ireland alone, there's just not enough. There's not enough happening here. Um, and infrastructurally, we, like, there's a massive deficit between what's happening artistically and musically and the infrastructure that surrounds that in terms of management, press, PR, and platforms that are willing to get behind a lot of the music that's happening in Ireland. So I never would blame any artist that would leave Ireland to go make a name for themselves, money, or develop and grow outside of Ireland and then come back because it's just a nature, uh, the nature of the environment in which we exist. Ireland is just not capable of sustaining an artist uh, financially or artistically or professionally uh, on its own. In terms of speaking about Ireland being so small, the scene is still quite very contained in terms of being Dublin-centric. Would you agree? The majority of it is coming from Dublin and always has, but we're seeing now pockets um, coming up all over the country um, with amazing talent. Um, Cork has always had a great history with with rap music in Ireland Mm -hmm. and street music in Ireland. Um, There's a lot of stuff happening uh, in Belfast, stuff happening in Galway, in the Midlands now, the drill scene coming out of what's happening um, in Carlow, Atlone, all that type of stuff. It's all over, but for the most part, given that it is the capital city, majority of the population, um, a lot of it is happening in Dublin, but it's not exclusive uh, to Dublin anymore. What's the vibe like within the scene? Because I know it's really easy to turn around and be like, oh, we're all so supportive of each other and we go to each other's gigs and we buy each other's music. But Ireland is a very, I want to see you do well, but I don't want to see you do better than me. Yeah. Uh, is there an element of that to it? No, but I, well, I don't know. You don't get it face to face. But 
you know, you always get that within a scene where people are fighting for scraps to survive. Or, you know, one person might get one thing and that, like, that could be a leg up to another level of your career. So some people could probably, yeah, of course, there's going to be people who are jealous and envious. Like, you know, I can't not be jealous and envious of other stuff, but, like, I use that positively to turn around and go, well, okay, if they, that person's got something, how do I do it? Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So there's that kind of thing. And there's people like, I don't know, man, we've never been a fucking jealous or bitchy type. If we see somebody young coming up to me, I'd fucking tell them what's what and give them the fucking lowdown. Do you know, I'll help them what, what I can. And, you know, my man's always the same, like running beat clubs and stuff like that. There is, um, there is actually a genuine, like, yeah, we all are, because we've been outcasts for so long, we've finally kind of found our tribe, I think, so... But fuck every other rapper. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back to you. Anyone wants You know, he's just taking that clip now, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's the promo. That's it. <laughs> Boom. Okay, Thank man. you. Soundbites. I got them. I got them. <laughs> fuck Ireland. Feeling like sway over here yeah. right now. Just sitting back. If like, he's taking the jacket off, man, now there's going to be a problem. Oh, we're going to talk tops off later. You ain't got the answers, You ain't got the answers. Tops off are coming later. Uh, Come here yeah. to me, though. You ain't but, got the answers, well, like. That is the kind of thing because you can see the amount of sheer work you lads are putting in. You're talking about like the B Club, but also the amount of gigs you've been doing, playing nearly every big festival in Ireland. That is going to breed jealousy on some level. But as long as you're kind of giving back to it, which you are in many ways, that kind of negates that. So if anybody's hating on you, you know, somebody could say, well, they do do this or he does do yeah. that, mm. you know? So like it's, it's kind of unwarranted. And if it is, it's just kind of down to basic jealousy, as your ma would say. Like, they're, yeah, they're, they're yeah, yeah. We of. can't control that, and how how anything is perceived about either of us it's up to the person outside of what we do, we we can't control that. The only thing we can do is continue to be ourselves as the group, and continue to be ourselves um, as Mango and Mathman, mm. and whatever people you know feel or think about us because of that, that's perfectly fine. Um, I would hope people see what we do as breaking ground for a lot of what's happening in this scene. Um, because if we weren't doing it, um, having done this for so long, that would be a problem. Um, and I hope that people understand that when we do give back in, in however we give back, that it's actually coming from a genuine love for what we do and what we represent and wanting to see this scene grow to its full potential. So if people want to hate go go right ahead but that's not going to deflect or distract either of us from our, our ultimate goal and, and, and what we do diss tracks impending yeah man we've got <laughs> bring them up man we've got, we got bars and beats the run lines open everybody <laughs> everybody man you're getting it right everybody no. getting it <laughs> choice Irish music prize song of the year must have been a proud achievement to be nominated yeah that was mental man that was it was mental did it sting not to win it, given that the the overall winner was such a commercial kind of track with so much record label money behind it? No, absolutely not. It's completely like, it, that's exactly what was going to happen on the night. And we walked in like, yeah, let's get dressed up and go out and have a few bit of brews. But yeah. like, Put on your cleanest Air Max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. We went to Culture Sneaker, get the things fucking no, crispy before no. we came down. I was like, yo! But, uh, Fresh. Yeah, 100% that's what was going to happen. But it's funny about the Choice Irish Music Prize and the fact that the album winner is often quite left of field, mm-hmm. whereas the single song of the year winner is always quite commercial. That's what here's I the problem. Oh, here's, here's the problem I feel it is that it, there's a legacy issue with how that is um, how it's decided. So the legacy issue is that it was it, a meteor it was a meteor award. So you you text in. in and vote, mm. and it was just so meteor would get all this attention and they get the fucking the, the, the text money or whatever. 
And in reality, a popularity contest really shouldn't decide um, the, the the winner or or losers of you know something that's a, like a, a an artistic or what should be an artistic decision. So to to know that um, Codeline won it, um, I wasn't Codeline. Picture was it? this. Picture this. I mean. I mean, subtle this. <laughs> oh. Ryan and Jimmy, are you listening? Oh. No, I'm uh, all right, man. I'm talking about a picture of this. <laughs> Still gone. Who them? Who that man? I don't know them. No, people. but what I'm saying is, it's like you should be evaluated on the the the, the music, and it shouldn't be like does, how how is anybody like ourselves or somebody that's like completely independent going to compete with? somebody like uh, picture this and, and people like that on, on massive labels with massive followings um, and, and promotional machines behind them like we did a couple of posts about it like my ma was flat out voting for us <laughs> you know Mango ma was flat out voting for us down the middle of the village with a banner we, we took an ad out on the Clondalkin Echo <laughs> <laughs> the whole lot there was a banner outside the laurels <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there was yeah, but like the north people. you can't compete man so um Look, it is what it is. We 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 knew what it was when when we got nominated. We were really happy that we got we got nominated, but we knew there was no no chance of us winning. Okay, we're going back in time. We're going to have to ask the origins question. Every good superhero has an origin story. Oh yeah. So we know, right? Two years were in the animators. Know that already. Yeah. That broke up eventually. Two years went out on your own, doing your own thing. But going back further, Mango, I know your mom was big into Tupac. Yes. Right. Adam first. When did this all become like a viable? I won't say career option, but when did you start producing beats? Um, very early. It would have been like maybe s- between the age of 16 and 18 um, on an old thing called Dance EJ, which was like... Yes. <laughs> so one step up oh from the PlayStation God. 1 music. Well, actually, the PlayStation joint was before that, but I can't really call that official because, you know, you know. but that was, we, you know... Um, but it started on that, and like I still have the the very first and last um, floppy disc with the the tunes that I made off Dan CJ from years ago. So I started with that, and um, like just over the years, it, like things progressed. I did a few courses in it, um, uh, moved on to using Ableton, and that and that was just when I when I found Ableton, I, I found a partner for life because <laughs> it was just it was the best thing for for my kind of creative process but the 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 reason it all started is because i think any great dj or a person that has like a, a love for djing at some point in their career says to themselves i know how to work a crowd um i know what works in clubs um and i have ideas in my head that i'd love to get out and that's really where it all stemmed from um playing as a, as a dj for many years going all right i think i have a, a few ideas for songs in my head that i'd like to do and I started to do that, and like obviously the first stuff that I made was absolutely garbage, and it was for for many years until I, I got better and worked at the craft and worked at the art, and um, when it became a, a proper thing that I was like like this could be something, um, was when I started to work with Rob Kelly, um, and we did the big single, um, the real thing that was like at that time playlisted on BBC Radio One Extra and stuff like that, you know, and that was that for me was a watershed moment to kind of go, oh, this is people are into this and you know they're appreciating it and it's getting playlisted on, on a station such as that maybe maybe there is something here and then just just kept going with it you mentioned doing courses there what courses did yeah. you do i would have been up in the sound course training center <laughs> painting and decorating up in <laughs> down balia um yeah i did the sound training center up in um 
up in Dublin, the, which is the Button Factory, the, the people that don't know it. Um, and then I met, like, a, a, or, or I linked back up with a very close friend of mine called Dan Rav uh, from Clondalkin. Big shout, Dan. Yeah, like, honestly, without Dan, I learned little to nothing in the Sound Training Centre. It was so out of date when I, when I did that course. It was just completely, it was almost, like, it was almost a waste of money. Um, so when I met up with Dan, I was able to have one-to-one kind of tuition and specific questions answered and was able to get to where I wanted to be with him. Um, so six to nine months working with Dan changed everything for me um, I remember seeing your advice to young producers one time to be like learn the maths of it the whole <laughs> the math man uh. but in terms of frequencies and where things sit in the mix being one of like and yeah. I, that's one thing that kind of interested me is to were you self-taught along those lines or did you learn them elsewhere I learned an awful lot um, through other producers and engineers that I've sat with and um, a big shout out to Marcin uh, Chichon Secret Sauce uh, from the Fusion Lab, um, he uh, like I've I learned an awful lot from him over the last couple of years. But to, for the most part, it, it has been self-taught, um, and even now, I, I I still struggle to get to the point that I want to be at sonically um, without uh, Martin's help because like he is a true Yoda of of the the science of mixing and mastering. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I'm self-taught. Um, YouTube tutorials have changed the game, um, and you know save people thousands of euros from doing like uh, courses that are a waste of time um, but yeah for the most part self-taught seen a lot of Diffusion Lab on your social how much is completed in the bedroom these days what percentage would you get a track to before you'd bring it in 90% 90% of the, of the artistic and finished product is the is in your home studio and that w- what you will do is then when you get to uh, Diffusion Lab we will refine the parts and we will mix and master and it, it's done there so um, in terms of what you hear, the sonics are completed in the Fusion Lab, but the artistic element and, and music itself is is all done at home. Young Mangan, so, so you're a man, Tupac. Yeah, man, fancy the whole album to this day. Swear down. Well, tell me, like, it mustn't be a very easy thing to be in your teens and be like, Do you know what, I'm going to be an MC and start writing. Yeah, try having red hair and glasses, chap. <laughs> Fucking hell. How did that all come about, though? Like, what was the inspiration behind doing that? Obviously, like, like I said, your ma was into Tupac, yeah, so well, you grew up in kind of a, a musical household in that not genre. really. Like, well, I mean, like, nobody played music and nobody was a musician. My cousins would play guitar and that, and, like, my sister was just listening to pirate radio and I was a real latchkey kid and, I don't know, man, I just fell in love with hip-hop. It's that simple. Like, I was just, I heard Tupac and I was just like, this is the fucking greatest shit ever. And I didn't like guitar music. Well, I did like guitar music. I was a bit into rock and roll growing up and, you know, a bit of dance music, but like I was like, like Fifty Cent, Get Rich or Die Trying came out when I was like twelve, thirteen, and that just like changed my life, bro. Like that and Tupac, and it was just this whole thing, and it was the beginning of the internet that I was getting into. So all of a sudden, I didn't have to read fucking Hot Press or NME telling me about some shite band that I didn't care about. I could go on and like research and like. Shout out to Mediafire.com. <laughs> Remember that? Remember you just put any random album name in? Mediafire.com. Uh, my that, generation, that was LimeWare. Kind of yeah. showing me. No, no, see, my dad works in IT. He was like, you get any peer-to-peer shit on that fucking laptop <laughs> and I'll bounce it off your head. So I was straight up, you know, SendSpace, Zippy Share, uh, Mediafire. But like, these are like, you know, because you go onto like, the you know, internet and you go, right, well, what's their albums? Bang, bang, bang. And I was, I was like, like both of you probably, I was like a nerd. I was like, okay, 
I like that Outcast song. Let me buy all five of their fucking albums. Mm. So that was where it came from. And I don't know, man. Like when you love something so much, you want to express yourself through it. And uh, I couldn't afford decks. Uh, I didn't have the patience to make beats. And I liked like just rapping, man. Thought it was pretty cool. So, like, what age were you when you decided to try and emulate these people? And how did it start? I don't know, man. I can't really remember. I was like fourteen, maybe. I started like writing down stuff. I think I wanted to write a song with a guitar and I couldn't sing. And you know, you know, going through the internet you'd find instrumentals all the time. Uh like Sound Click. Remember Sound Click? Mm-hmm. That's where Irish Hip Hop used to live. So we Sound Click to get all that stuff. I think it's still there, isn't it? Yeah, and it hasn't changed, man. It's crazy. <laughs> Geosities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Homer's front page. Like it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mental. Like there's people still uploading to SoundClick, like thinking it's gonna Salute happen. Fucking God bless. But yeah, yeah I would have been about fourteen and just started going and going and American accents and writing about shit I didn't know and think you know, basically I was like I treated it like a trade. I was like, Well, how does Cypress Hill construct that song lyrically? And what is that? I didn't even know what 16 bars was like. And I was fucking mortified to tell anybody I rapped. No one of my mates knew I rapped until I was 18. How long? You've been there like three, four years at this Three, stage? four years writing. I had copybooks and copybooks and copybooks. It was full of it. It's in class, writing raps. No one had an idea I rapped. Because that's what I was going to ask you. How was it received by your peers? Because it's a Laughed very tough at. thing. Laughed at. Uh, but then, you know, uh, I did a gig in school. I think it was like a battle of the bands. It was like the last thing in sixth year and you know we make Grambo turn around I was like man go, you gotta do this now or you're never gonna do it so yeah fuck it alright go on so I did it uh, I won it and that kind of just spun me off and it kind of uh, I don't know like all the boys like came in from the estates so I had to be good or else they were gonna <laughs> bat me or throw eggs at me or like, like that's your life over on the on the, on the corners like so if the lads come up and you're not now there was a bit of there was a bit of judge tampering from my friends <laughs> who kind of walked over the table like, that mango fella's good, didn't he? And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Better win. <laughs> oh, well, we'll see what happens. Place. Are you in the uh, you're in the green Vauxhall Astra, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that's how I won. But you're also deadly. Oh, no. All right. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of the writing process, is it a beats first thing and you write to the beats or do you go back to like copy books? Uh, no, it's, it's the beats. The beats first, yeah. Uh, Mathman sends them over. Um, and a lot of them. How many of you know <laughs> Yeah. Like a thousand or something. That's like, that's when we asked you, could I have a beat for a video? And you said, I don't really think I have what you want. And I was Do like, you know oh. what I mean? And I said, uh, I'm looking for that kind of Jay-Z blueprint one kind of boom, We transfer.com. Boom. Straight over. 55 tracks. Yeah. Going from, I don't think I have what you want to 55. <laughs> and I felt like an utter cunt then every time coming back to you going, here, can I use one of them beats? <laughs> well, that's what they're there for. Yeah, but like, you know, geez, the sheer amount that you must be fucking flying through. What inspires you both in terms of like, I spoke to Maverick Saber and he told me that he writes to movies on mute. Lehane and City of God and oh, things cool, like that. That's cool, man. Yeah, yeah. I remember him saying that. that was, that's kind of dope. Um, I got a shout out Dublin Bus. I really do. Because the majority of this album was written on Dublin Bus. Getting the, the, the 140 or the 9 or the 83 into town from my granddad's. Um, so yeah, it's the city. You know, I like, I like writing late at night. You know, my missus in bed. And I just, I'm walking around looking like a lunatic. Like, I'd say if, because I keep my curtains open now, I'd say the neighbours think I'm a fucking psychopath. Because I'm walking around at two or three o'clock in the morning doing, like, rap hand singles and all. <laughs> and they probably think I'm just rapping along to music, but I'm actually, like, 
working things out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Like it, it's it can come from anywhere for me. But um yeah, going to see other art and going doing the new experiences kind of just unlock something in my head to write about. Do you know what I mean? I can't just give you twelve tracks about how big my flu is. <laughs> Or how many cars I have, or how deadly I am. Do you know what I mean? Like, so you need to go live a little life. It's funny you mentioned the bus there because Mav said the same thing, or he does something. Um, I saw him doing it on Instagram about a year ago, and I asked him in that when he records the demos of his album, he goes and sits on the bus and in London and just drives around and listens to the he demos. He drives a bus. Oh, no, he. <laughs> <laughs> tell you, man, fucking <laughs> hard time. <laughs> but now he sits down the back of the bus and three or just, five please. Oh wait, is that you, young man? <laughs> <laughs> Let me go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, sits down the back of the bus and just watches. Every everyday London life go by and see does his music fit the narrative that yes. he has in his head which is a really interesting thing to do 100% same thing and it's funny that you write to us yeah 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 going to town and yeah 100% and what about you Adam is it a, like a case of hearing something that inspires you and going jeez I kind of want to rip that maybe a little bit or is it just sitting down and just the God flow comes through single handedly and I think I've probably said it a few times before and I don't want to sound like a broken record but um, Dublin City is literally my greatest muse of all time whether it be the people, the architecture, um, the feeling in the air, the sounds of the city, I will literally just go walking with a set of headphones in and not actually have any music playing. So I just have the headphones in. I don't want some sort of psychological thing that people won't annoy me or people won't uh, like pay attention to me if I have the headphones in. I'm just walking around the city, but I'm listening to absolutely everything and I'm looking at everything. And somebody might do something or something might happen um, or I might get a feeling walking through a different part of the city, the sun might be coming up, whatever the hell it might be, but literally kind of just through osmosis, walking around Dublin and coming home and trying to reinterpret that and um, allow that to come out of me via the music is is what happens. That is literally, I swear to God, with, with practically every song is trying to bring Dublin to life sonically. Um, whether that be a banger or you know something a little bit more serious or somber um, it's going and, 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 and living life in the, in the city um, outside of that I mean like as Mango touched on it's, it's nice to hear and be inspired by other art, other artists um, and things going on or, or hearing stories but for the most part it's just it's Dublin there's that famous Picasso saying that good art is copying great art is steal. And I'm not going to ask you to hang yourselves and say you've <laughs> ever ripped anybody off. But do you ever find that sometimes you're trying not to sound like somebody that you really like personally? Say yeah. if you're a massive Wiley fan and you're going mm-hmm. like, oh, this sounds too much like Wiley. I'm, I'm kind of bored on ripping it off. Do you ever find yourselves in that zone or? Um, no, because there's no. Well, I don't know for me. I don't know about you for sonically, but like for me, um, I don't really take people's flows and I've such a distinctive voice and accent and content. I don't think anybody else sounds. I don't think I could sound like anything else but me. Do you know that way? Mm-hmm. Like uh, I've never kind of caught myself. You know, when you're when you're starting off, I learn from people. I'm like, oh, I love what they did there, and I might put that in. But yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever stopped myself. I'm like, wow, you sound like Skepta, or you sound like Kane. Like no, like if. You could probably hear their influence through my music, but I wouldn't say you'd be like, oh yeah, he sounds like him. Beats-wise, it must be a more kind of... It's a greater challenge. I'll tell you why, because music in these genres, um, urban music or street music, whatever you want to call it, club music, um, 
is so homogenized these days um, that it's very hard to stand out and you know just through the evolution of music in these genres like a lot of stuff has been done so for me it's I don't want to make the same music as everybody else like if we're honest to make one of those heavy hitting trap beats I could turn you out 15 of those in probably three or four hours it's that easy to make it there's no challenge in that and then legacy wise and where you position yourself as um, a leader or a pioneer in this music scene, to do that is just not good enough. So when you write tracks, you don't want to fall into that space. What you want to have is something as unique as possible, um, as original as possible. Um, and like I said, that is a hard thing to do, given the ground that has been covered over the last you know, 20 to 25 years, 40 years in some cases. Um, so for me, that is a, is, a, is a real challenge. And that's why there's, you know, probably, you know, four to six thousand songs on a hard drive in, in my room, because through that process of, of creating, sometimes you find yourself falling into that space. You're like, no, that is just not good enough. And half of, like the majority, three quarters of those songs will never see the light of day and um, because it hasn't met my own standards it hasn't met what I'm trying to achieve as an artist or as a producer um, and I think that's really benefited where we've ended up with our sound and um, if you look at what happened with the animators and the little bits that were starting to come alive in in the animators um, in terms of where we're at now like you can't say that anybody in this country has a sound like ours um, because it's a mashup of so many different sounds, so many different styles that has, you know, from what I know and, and from what I can see in here, hasn't really been done before. There's little bits of everything, but you can't say that it's one or the other. Um, and that for me is a very important thing that there is ground being broken all the time artistically and the same thing is not just being regurgitated. Because honestly, man, I swear to God, I could have you here in an hour. Me, you and Mango, we could have an EP done, <laughs> you know, because he's bars ready to go. And th- that music is quite simple to make. Mm. So I don't want to be in that position. I want to be somebody that... People sauce chasing fucking trends, man. That's like, it, yeah. that, Like, I never understood people who are like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm going to sound exactly like Kendrick or I'm going to sound exactly like fucking Migos or, you know, whoever is fucking popping right now. That's usually people who are chasing fame, though, more so than artists. Not even that. It's like they're so insecure of like how they sound and or how they rap or you know how the beats are. That or like or they just turbo fucking love that music. But sometimes you need to step back and go, how are you going to be the poor man's version of that artist mm. from Ireland? Like imagine even if you bust it, bust it up in Ireland, right? And then you do the thing and you get to London and everyone's like, oh yeah, yeah, him. He just sounds like your man. So you're the hip-hop equivalent of the Coronas, basically. <laughs> Doc, the fucking indie band's getting shot in the head left, right, and centre in this conversation. But look, put, a, put, like, a gunshot noise in. Like, yeah. we, need the, we need the effects, man. New York City, <laughs> do you hear me? <laughs> but it's that thing of that, like, you know, you're big at home, and then you go abroad, and you're like, you know, you're ten a penny. Yeah, and yeah, you go yeah. That. That's you know, truth, no disrespect man. to Danny and the boys, their no, sound. No, salute to the, no, and here's the thing. Salute to to everybody out here making it or oh, having yeah. a career in the music industry it, it is easy. absolutely ruthless mm. at every single level and for any artist from Ireland or otherwise that have any sort of career doing music is a blessing and is an, an incredibly or an incredible amount of hard work so I salute anybody from Ireland making it at any level and, and creating at any level because this industry is tough man it is tough yeah 
What do your mom and dad make of the whole thing when they see videos of you at festivals and little raves? <laughs> uh, I'm sure they're used to it now, well, but like, no, like my mom, my mom really liked the the animated stuff because she's like old school hip hop. Yeah, okay. Like, oh, that's nice, cool, da da da. My dad was like, "All right, cool, man." And just kept, you know, kept it moving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "You're 21 in a record. I, I don't, I don't need this shit. Like, you know what I mean? I got one kidney, and it's the middle of a recession. I don't need to think about your fucking." Raps and dreams right now, dog. I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to keep the fucking lights on. I'm like, fair enough. <laughs> um, not to say he wasn't like well done or anything like that, but I think, yeah. So my thing is right. So basically, animators broke up in one year. Me board of two and a half years. We broke up. Me dog died. Me granny died. I moved out. Uh, my job went down the toilet. So I had like a bit of a stinker there. In 2014, mm-hmm. right? And I tried to go back to college. I went to industry to marketing blah blah get into second year all of a sudden they don't get a grant and I'm like right I can't afford this shit you know what I mean and I can't like go and wait and reapply for the Susie thing because I'll be fucking I'll be like 30 by the time that, that all that shit has to re-roll around I couldn't do it so I was just kind of and things were picking up with Mango and Matt man and I kind of had to go back to my ma's gaff and like explain to him like, listen I'm not going back to college and my ma I it was like I was telling her I was doing a 10 stretch in the joy. She was like, are you fucking joking? You're the smart fucker. Like, you know what I mean? You're supposed to, you can do this. I was like, I know I can do it, but I can't afford to do it. Because um, everybody in my course was like, from like this fucking eight mile radius of fucking South County Dublin. Like, it was outrageous. So I said, look, just give me a year. And like they were like, do what? I was like, I'm going to do this music thing. I'm going to fucking make this rap shit happen. She's like, all right. Sounds like a scene from a film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ma, you gotta let me be. You gotta be. I gotta be this rapper, dog. Just give nah, me a blessing. You gotta work down the factory. You know what I mean? Uh, no. So it was just kind of. She was like, I don't know what to do with you. And me dad kind of leaned into me, and I remember like me dad saying like he wanted to be an art teacher when he was growing up, but like his dad was pure like, no, you're not. Mm. You're going. To, so he did like accounting and stuff like that. Uh, but he kind of like leaned into me. and was like, look, go do it but make sure you fucking do it. <laughs> don't be dip, dicking about saying, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing it. Like, go. Don't half ma- Yeah, make a fucking go of it, son. And I think within a year, I think my mum seen me on telly doing the, the orchestra thing. Mm. Like, one of the biggest, like, um, at the biggest festival in the country, with the one of the biggest tents full, and I'm jumping around with three of my mates of a show day. He made it, and I was like, "Yeah." yeah. And she's like, "You can't pay for that." I was like, "Yes." Very <laughs> asking the important questions. Yeah, yeah, Go yeah. on, I'm Mangan. I was like, "Very handsomely," and she was like, "Right, okay." And she was like, "Right, we'll give you another year." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? All of a sudden, she was like, "All right." Now that's not to say they were like, "Yeah, fair play to you," but all of a sudden, the conversation was kind of like, "What's going on?" And all of a sudden, they realized like, "Shit's happening." I'm doing something in my life, and as much as I have a day job, they're still like. No, he's actually going for something. So now they're kind of behind him. I don't know if she's mad into the music, but my sister's on the the new record, by the way. Okay. The, the Jackie from Pimlico, that's my sister, Jenny. It's a family thing. <laughs> also, really Is she fun. getting paid for it? <laughs> no, she's not. That's why I got my sister. I don't have to pay for it. <laughs> How do you go about explaining all this to your granddad? Because I know you're really close. We've had this combo before, you and I. I fucking love that picture that was in the voice article. The one of the two yeah. is in his front room. Yeah. That is iconic It's the shit. best, bro. It's amazing. It's amazing. 
because your mum was like, oh, we're going to go hang around the, the, the flats and all that. I was like, no, we're not. <laughs> we're going to be granddad's front yeah, room. Yeah, not, not the, not the, not the, um, not the journalist, Kaylin, who's, who's really good and really knows what she's at, but the uh, photographer's like, yeah, yeah, let's walk. Like, all of a sudden they see, like, fingers, they say, like, apartments, like, let's go for a walk. And I'm like, oh, you don't walk around my estate on Saturday, especially when it's this cold. Yeah. What do you do on a Saturday? Uh, I watch Liverpool with my granddad. So he has absolutely no idea what's going on. He thought it was a chance. I was like, granddad, I'm going out for a gig. He's like, yeah, all right, mate. You are a chancer. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. But even more, like he was like, cause in his day, like you know what I mean. The man has, yeah. has his dinner at like one o'clock or some shit. Mm. So me saying I have a gig at half ten, he's like, what's anybody even doing up at this hour? <laughs> but he's seen a news night thing on on BBC News, and it was on Stormzy, and it was kind of him Brit Awards, something like his kind of rise to what it was. But it was very matter of factly explaining what a man in a tracksuit making grime music can do and what it is and he kind of turned around as being lazy boy and was like just kind of like gave the, the finger over and going see ya I was like yeah and he goes that what you do I says yeah to an extent he's like right not bad and then swiveled around and that is the only compliment I'll get of that man whatsoever did he come to the concert hall the concert hall no, yeah, 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 yeah he yeah. loved the free barbell <laughs> he was like yeah yeah cool cool no worries and everyone like my mum and dad helping him like and all that stuff I was like anyway listen there's a free bar backstage you want to see man hallelujah <laughs> like fucking straight awesome. up out the wheelchair walkers yes. thrown away yeah yeah you know it's a miracle Jesus. <laughs> yeah yeah one of them joints no like he came through to that and he thought that was great and he's watched other voices and like where he can when I'm on he, he will he will watch but I know in his head he, like he's probably gone oh is this shit <laughs> for most of it do you know what I mean yeah. the guy watches football with the sound off because he's like I asked him he's like oh, just, I'm, I'm half deaf and I've heard enough shit talk in my life and he knows what they're doing on screen yeah, anyway he's like I know what's going on in the football game I don't need fucking Sky Sports like over fucking telling me and he kind of has a point so I can't even imagine what he's like for me what's the reaction like in the home place in the CDK Oh man, CLK, CLK. <laughs> Me and my sister have massive arguments about that whether it should be CLK or CDK. Because Kulak kind of has a claim, man. Uh, CLK. Look, Reds are was look banging it. CLK a long time was ago. Was he? Yeah, for Kulak. Uh, anyway, I, I look pr- like yeah, sh- probably should be CDK, but <laughs> CLK came out a long time ago at a beat battle, and we just had to run with it. That's what it was. Um, it, it's actually been really good in in in, the, in my gaff. See, my man and dad have been absolutely tortured since the age of fourteen in um, what was a, you know, previously a council house in Clondalkin with walls as paper thin as anything and me upstairs with four decks and the, oh, the, cool. the biggest <laughs> shabber hard house and trance bangers being belted at 100 miles an hour out of the room. <laughs> Me You're in the room with the boys. Yeah, me dad come home the sides and be like, what the fuck? You know, me ma be downstairs. She be banging the tunes in, in the fucking kitchen. So that this, uh, thank God me next door neighbors are actually deaf. So we get away with they from you. Deaf. <laughs> they, they were, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the gaff we were connected to, the neighbors were actually deaf. So we got away with like pumping the tunes. Brand so me ma was in the kitchen Brand. and I'd be upstairs. But I'd be in the room with a strobe light on, on my own. <laughs> Banging the tunes Game out, trying to recreate like a, the, the the sense of a club at fourteen years of age. So they've had to live with that. I think that's Pardon. something everyone buys with their first set of decks. Because I bought a mini strobe light as well. There you it go. Sounds around there with me cam decks, yeah. Cable Street, yeah. This is what I'm saying, and you know, new experiences, and you know, and nothing but uh, 
an enthusiasm and a love for that culture but anyway they've had to listen to that for for god knows how many years just being pumped out of the room and they understood the ambition that i had from an early age and they've seen me kind of do well in as a dj and they've seen me you know go through some you know bad patches as well in terms of you know um careers decisions moving left right and whatever it might be and they've just always been very supportive because i, I come from a quite an artistic family um my ma was an artist, you know, my brother is, a, is, a, is an incredible uh, musician, my sister is an artist. And, um, so no pressure on you then? My dad's a gargler. Yes. Oh, shit. I'm ready to get that one. You're yeah, ready. Yeah. But um, it's, it's always been encouraged in the gaff, so um, I'm very lucky. But the first time that my ma and dad came to see me and, and Mango was the night of our launch for, uh, for Wheel Up. And they came in, they were side of stage. I didn't even know they were there. I always, I hate putting any sort of obligation on friends or family to come yeah. to a gig. You just say, look, it's on. If you want to go, go, that's it. I remember me and him walked to the stage that night and uh, I just got, somebody grabbed me on the side of my arm. I was like, what the fuck? I thought it was like somebody locked or whatever. Mm. And I turned and it was me ma standing <laughs> there with me ma. She was rubber. Now, where's the jacks? And my dad was like, that free bar is nearly empty. <laughs> I just wanted to let you know. Yeah. Have you any cans? Um, and it was a very emotional moment because it was the first time that she'd come to see. And like, that world is alien to, to my ma and that. Mm. And then luckily, last year when we played the picnic, we were able to invite our families down Savage. to come see us. Um, and a lot of them came out and you know that was a proud moment for, for us and it was also a proud moment for them to see you know years and years of hard work um, you know kind of starting to pay off In terms of the hip hop world right and grime world fashion is a big thing so like in America it's all about high end designer brands now. it's all about being <laughs> iced out in the UK it's all the man then with the technical wear <laughs> yeah. North Face Stone Oil and yeah, CP yeah, company yeah. what's Dublin's flavour? Air Max 90s <laughs> and TNs <laughs> that's what it is that's Dublin's flavour. As much as you don't like Air Max 90s, they are the Dublin show, man. I, I can't argue with it. That, that is it. They're just not for me. Or BWs, and it, maybe. And it, yeah, well, BWs were, were the one for me, yeah. like, growing up. Like, that's what all the boys on the block had. Like, literally, it was the BWs. Um, but I, I just felt they were, like, it's, I, I think it's an, it's an ugly shoe. I think it's too wide. I think it's like wearing a brick in your foot. Um, it's very square. It doesn't do your foot any fla- favors in terms of where. The Hold on, nineties are BWs. BWs. Oh yeah. Where yeah, the okay. where the the jean actually sits between the tongue and the actual jean starting it does no favors. It was always ugly, and um, but it absolutely is that. And the, the ninety is the the trainer of choice. Air Max nineties. Nightcaps Vapor Max are huge now though Vapor Max like are 270s Oh man no, 270 no, can't no, move no, 270s are like 270s are like the new Harachi Yeah yeah Do you know that way yeah. Where all of a sudden Somebody's like found this new night show And now Have you worn a pair of Vapor Max They're like walking in football boots Yeah they're amazing I love them Do you love them Well I, I sent them back honestly, No comfiest shoes I've ever worn I, That's just not my flex man No Them I 720s are ridiculous as well they add about an inch and a half to your height as well. The oh, new words. You know about the 270? Now they flipped it for the 720. It's a big fat bubble. Oh, really? I haven't it's seen that. It's fucking huge, right? No it's way. massive. Bono has a few pairs. Two <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 270s yeah. are everywhere. So it's like, yeah, North Face trackies or Nike Techs. Definitely always a cap. Who bearing? Do you think it'll ever get more high end in a way? Like the way London oh, was going? Well, it already started, it man. Sorry, it's the McGregor fucking thing. All of a sudden mm. he's wearing Gucci, this and Gucci. Oh, no, every, every little fucking skull bag on. On the terraces now has a fucking Gucci hat or this or that. Do you know what I mean? 
So like lads are out here flexing with this, the Gucci, the Gucci trainers are. The Alexander McQueen. Oh Nothing fucking wrong with Alexander no. McQueen. Yeah, yeah, the Stan Smith ripoff. Go away oh from me. Oh my God. But what I'm saying is, but here's the thing, right? You only have to look at the floor space that uh, Brown Thomas are now giving to what they refer to as streetwear in the men's department mm. to understand that there is money being spent in that space. There is money from Young Fliz, uh, Yeah, Young Fliz going in with that, after getting the bag, here, there, or whatever it might be, and going in, I want to, I want to flex Enzo, on whoever I, I can with the, with the gear. The section of Brown Thomas is fucking big enough as well. Like they're really pushing. There you go. Can't stand off white. I like what Virgil Abloh was doing at Louis Vuitton, but I hate off white because no, it feels like a complete scam. It's all yeah. off the back of being made so Kanye. Do you know what I mean? Well, list, just... The whole thing is the Emperor's new clothes. <laughs> Completely, hands down. People wearing fucking like safety belts and all. Oh yeah. What the fuck? High vis jackets and that. Nah. Here's the thing I've always said, man. I think a lot of people said it in their lives as well. Money does not buy you style. You could be broke and ha- and look really well dressed out of fucking a ghetto bell pennies. If you know how to put clothes together, if you know how to look stylish, it doesn't life. matter what labels are on your back. Um, money does not buy you style. Casual work is the album. Shaping up to be like Dre's detox. There's been so much talk about it and lack of a release date. You need to get the fuck off my back. <laughs> I, I'm an independent artist. It's taken me two years to put an album out. It's perfectly fucking fine. <laughs> yeah. How far along are we? How far off are we, I should ask? It's it's pretty close, man. It's pretty close, like in terms of the actual recording process of, of the album being done. Like there's 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 things in the can actually ready to go right now as we speak. Um but we have worked for so long and so hard on this album that for us to just turn around and one day release this record to the world and expect something to happen is absolutely madness. So what we need to do right now is look for the best strategy and the best opportunities for us to put this out and it, and for it to be a success. So not like whatever about getting the album done, there is now more work to do in terms of how it's rolled out and you know how we can get this to people and in people's ears and, and in people's faces because... Give it the best shot it deserves. Exactly. Like we've put everything that we can artistically into this. And you know what? We're, we're almost ready to, to do something else right now because this has been like in the work for so long and a lot of it has been ready for so long like we're like chomping at the bit to go and do a load of other stuff Mm. but this is something artistically that has to happen and I think for the group it's very important that this comes out and it's um, a milestone in the group's career Um, but we will not rush the album and we will not rush the promo or the, the rollout of the album either because it's not about anybody else really the success of this uh, or you know whatever happens with it um has to, the hard work has to be um has to be reciprocated in in the sense that we do it we execute it the right way and that's that's how I feel about it stop giving me politician answers what's the ETA September that's a good time Ish. <laughs> <laughs> little caveat yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I know you're heavily involved in the spoken word scene does it seem mad to you now that spoken word is seen as something that's cool amongst the youth uh, yeah, but like, I mean, fucking rapping's cool now. Rapping wasn't cool when I was growing up, so I don't know, man. You've got fucking. Yeah, spoken word seems a lot more arty, though, and a lot more hybrid. Yeah, Trinity College like, students on their break, you know? But like, you know, fucking, like, people getting involved in fucking grassroots politics, you know, is now a thing, is in vogue. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, nobody did. Like, remember the guy in school? Who was into politics? Who like, might have been a young Finna Gat or Finna Fall, and he got mm. the shit kicked out of him? <laughs> Rightly so. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and now he's in the dog kicking the shit out of the yeah, country. Yeah, yeah. Now he's like, you know what? Fuck the taxpayer. 
but like you know, shit happens. Man. Look, look, it's all down to Kevin. Let's let's put it let's put it down to that. It's all down to Kevin. Mm. Those That's videos. But when I seen, just saying, it bawled me fucking eyes out because it was like that week two of my mates went to Australia, and the rest of them were already gone or were on the way, and I was like, fuck. There was like you know a few tinkles of fucking piano in there and all, but like I spoke about that to him. I said, "Is the, that change with the use yeah. all fucked off?" And there's a change, and we still have the pictures to prove uh, it. And it's the same Donny that done the soundtrack to Dublin Old School. Yeah, oh for real, uh, John Avril, absolute Donny. Yeah. I remember John Avril Donnie. DJing around town years ago. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know that was very yeah, yeah. yeah. But the funny thing about the sp- the whole spoken word scene now is that I've heard whispers, have it on good authority. That there's like major brands sniffing around it now who want to kind of piggyback oh, us. Yeah, right. I'm like, boy, how are you surprised by this? I'm, I'm not surprised I'm by it. I'm approached by the wackest brands being like, can you do us a poem? And I'm like, w- like what? And they're like, basically, we want Emma Kerwin, but not to pay Emma Kerwin. <laughs> and I'm like, do you know what you should do? Just fuck Emma face and give I'm, Emma Kerwin some pay money. Emma <laughs> or don't be fucking piggybacking off this shit. But do you think, though, like, does that lift the whole scene if. It's seen publicly being supported by brands, or is it a bad thing because big bad corporate comes along and is throwing fucking money at it? It's like music, man. At the same time, like if you're a musician anywhere, like you know, you have to work with brands doing non-music shit, or even brands doing music shit. Like Hashtag every, influencer. Yeah, well, like I mean, fucking look, every festival we have, it's yeah. it's it's backed by a drink company. So there are brands you have to do, but it depends how you deliver it and how the quality and the style of it is retained and not made look stupid. You don't want to devalue the art. Exactly. If they're like, we want to back the art because they think what you do is deadly, we just want to facilitate it, that's fine. But if you're like making a specific poem about fucking, I don't know, huggies, you know, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot and making everybody else look bad. Speaking of the festivals that you've done, what are the standouts for you? Standout last year um, was, for me, Forbidden Fruit. When that happened, it was just like, all right, this is going to be one hell of a summer, man. Because <laughs> it was... It's going to be a hot summer. New <laughs> <laughs> shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. DJ Club. <laughs> um, that was amazing. It was, was a, such a great feeling. Um, and then we did have... We have we had a really amazing summer last year. That But that, that kicked it all off. But honestly, my favourite festival, hands down, uh, was Other Voices. And it has been for the last two years. Other Voices, man. I don't know what it is. And this is going to sound like... An, absolute arsey thing to say because you hear because <laughs> you hear artists say this all the fucking time in interviews but there is nothing like the energy in the air down at other voices there's something that you can't describe completely intangible um, in, the, in a sense that there's a magic in the air at other voices down in Dingle there really is and last year and the year before that it was alive and well and we, we had two amazing shows down there this year I don't know how Mango feels, but those for me were were the best. Yeah, other voices is always really near and dear to my heart. Um, yeah, I don't know. Forbidden Fruit was fucking like Forbidden Fruit was that first one where like we were looking at the size of the stage and or the tent. It was the tent that Richie Horton played in. Yeah. You know, we were like, like oh, uh, compared to the, what we did last year, Forbidden Fruit, and this is the start of the festival season. So we were like, all right, fuck it, we give it a go. I guess this is where we're on. Fuck it, blah blah blah. And uh, you just seen streams of people coming in, and you know, then to go. I think Body and Soul was fucking outrageous for me. 
the middle of the night. <laughs> the middle of the night, everyone is chewing the jar off themselves. Like they're in a, I'm in a woods. Energy and I, crew in yes. full effect. Full effect. Bro, it was crazy. And then like I fucking uh, I crowdsourced for the first time by accident. <laughs> Because usually sometimes I get into my, yeah. if there's no barrier, I'll get in and but mosh you got with them, you know up. what I mean? And I got picked up and I'm going, fuck, my wallet's still in my back. <laughs> Just back the Max yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know my crowd, man. I'm going to get fucking fleeced. Yeah. Uh, Longitude was serious as well, though, as well. That you did that crazy. Wiley support gig as well. What's the story about Wiley breadcrumb and you giving you his number and then changing oh, it? Oh, man, yeah, the cheek of him. Um... It was gas. So he just be in me DMs on Twitter. I was like, <laughs> Bro, I'm coming to see you soon. I'm like, yeah, cool. Like, give us a shout. Every time he comes up, he's like, he's just man, he's a fucking nappy. You see what he's doing with fucking Skepta and all that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just after the show, it was just we were we were chilling and we had one hell of a show that night, man. I swear to God. We Ooh, that was a Percy. That was unreal hopping. The place where like they were behind us that night, man. It was a beautiful thing in the academy. Um, so we had a great show and we came off stage, we watched Wiley, it was all good and we went backstage and we were having a few beers afterwards and we just went in to have a chat with him when it was all said and done and uh, we were chatting away to him, whatever, blah, 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 blah and he goes, um, we said to him, can, can we get a picture? And he's like, yeah, no problem, absolutely. So we stepped out into the hallway, we're getting the picture taken and I said, here, look, because I'll never, I'll always hustle no matter where I am or what I'm doing and I, I came ready um, and I had the USB in my pocket with um, the Wheel Up EP on it and uh, I took it out and I gave it to him and he says oh nice one nice one and he goes are you the Donny that makes the beats and I was like yeah 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 he goes give me your number give me your number and he goes and I was like and I was trying to get my phone out of my pocket and he goes no 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 and he just took the phone off me and he put his number in mm-hmm. and he goes no you have that now um, and I was like oh nice one yeah, yeah. fair play Whopper, thanks did. Mr. Boy. yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. so he he disappeared and we were meant to meet him for a drink afterwards but um, like outside of the academy but it never Family's happened family, didn't he? he came with like the, the kids there was uh, like the toddlers on stage and all the whole, yeah, really? yeah, 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 yeah yeah and like, I think they didn't even know that I think like the guys who booked him were like what, what's the crack why is your wife and children <laughs> and he's like get me a hotel room with five, with five rooms or five beds and they're like what he, he literally honestly that fellow just hostel. does what he wants he's he does genius. what he wants and I think everyone is at like his beck and call no matter where he, where he goes or, or who he's working with he's literally like I'll do what I want and you are going to facilitate it it's as simple as that mm. but anyway I was like we were delighted because Wiley was coming to play Life Festival, same day we were, same stage, same night. We were going to link up with them then, whatever. We're delighted. And uh, two or three days later, Wiley tweets on uh, on, on Twitter. He goes, um, something like fucking, all you, all you dickheads that have that have been trying to get through to me, you know, the time is up or whatever. Number changed. Oh, and I was oh, like, hey. oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> now, I hadn't been texting him or that. Yeah, like, yeah. I was like, yo, do, Wiley, what's the story with that feature? <laughs> Imagine like, though how know. heartbreaking it would have been had you text him and oh. then that went out the next day. And I was like, that was me, man. That was me. <laughs> Fuck that. Um, but yeah, a couple of days Stop. later, I got him. We were laughing about it. I, I sent him the screenshot and he was like, for fuck's sake. Well, like that's, Magic. I mean, Dems are the breaks. Mango, being topless is almost part of the act at this race. Gotta believe it, baby. Have you ever taken your top off at a gig and regretted it because it felt a bit nippy? <laughs> uh, <laughs> how many sit-ups do you do before you go on stage to get a, get a no. pump on? Get the neck heli, <laughs> get the neck heli right. on top off. Do I look like a fucking workout? <laughs> Man, that no. show is a workout. No, I don't, like I sweat so bad. That's what it is. It's not like, yeah, you know, a bit of fucking like a part of a show where, you know, there's an extra bit and everyone's like, all right, Rapid's coming on or so he might take his top off or whatever. <laughs> but 
it's genuinely because like I'm underneath massive lights and I'm very pale and ginger and I'm basically doing a 45 minute cardio set and remembering every lyric I've written in the last two years. So you do be sweating a little bit. But I remember uh, we were playing the complex for like, um, not our one, what was the other one? District. Yeah, for the Fringe magazine, for District. And it was going off, man. It was a great night, fucking BYOB. I jumped into the crowd, I'm getting going, blah, blah. And I see this girl be like, yeah, she jumped in. And she put her hand on me back. It was almost slow-mo how I turned around and I seen a look at her hand <laughs> and it was shiny and she just showed it to her at the back of her hand to her friend and be like, oh my God, that's fucking sick. <laughs> She's like, oh, like no, the no, shrouded no. She, yeah, she went, oh my God, For real, man, it's fucking manky. disgusting. And then like shook her hand and I see me sweat just fall out. I was like, all right, love, that's, like, that's Them's are the breaks. Everyone's trying to hug me after the show. I'm like, don't. Like, I'm literally, I feel like I've got out of a shower. Like, my socks are wet. Like, my hair is wet. So, that's where the tops off. Well, tops off is a is a positive mindset of like you want to go raving. You don't look like you're fucking built up, or you don't have the Instagram body. Take your fucking top off, man. You're absolutely like you don't care if you're fat, you're skinny, if you're a bird, if you're a fella, if you're anything in between that. Take your fucking top off. That's what raving's about. Tops off is inherent in Irish clubbing anyway. You know I mean? you, like, Roy, sir, you know that, for fuck's sake. Yeah, you know that. Yo, yeah, we need to get shown out. You've been been doing that team, bro. We need to get shown out for taking our tops off. You know what I mean? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, speaking of this, no, hang on. The ladies of Ireland want to know when you're going to start taking your top off. <laughs> I heard there was an incident at a Mike Skinner gig. <laughs> Oh my You can blame God. Bobby Boom Boom. Oh, did he tell you about <laughs> this? this. Oh. Right, I want to tell you what I heard first, Bobby, and you can I'm confirm or deny, you, right? You can confirm or deny that you did the Mike Skinner warm up slot. Yeah. Somebody had a go with the free bar a little bit too much, got a bit wild. Right. Seeing all these CLK boys, CDK boys yeah. in the crowd. Go on. They were all, go on, fuck oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were like, go on, the boys. Top came off, top went into the crowd. <laughs> it was Somebody scri- threw a bike. <laughs> no, it was described to me that security stepped in and was like, this gig cannot continue. The music needs to stop until that top is found and you put it back on. And the exact words were to me that... Mango was actually trying to control him. It was mad yeah, to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is what I said. Look at he, the guy you're going to call. Listen, listen. It's one night. I've been drinking with this guy for many, 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 many years. Shit happens like that. It's Hennessy. It's that dark liquor. It gets you. Honestly, boy. man, I, I, I can't deny any of what was said right there. But I want to put into context what that night was for me. Mike Skinner is an absolute hero and a living legend for me. And that night, I was the fact that we were supporting him for his show in Hangar. Yeah, it was. I was so excited, so excited. And um, a shout out to Craig from District who handed me the fucking full <coughs> liter bottle of Hennessy at the beginning of the night. He's like, "There you go, bro." I was like, "All right, cool." And I was. I don't really get nervous before these shows. And that night, I was nervous because I, I had built it up in my head that you know Mike Skinner's gonna watch us and be really impressed by us, and you know, mm. inquire about us and whatever else, and. You know that shit never materialized, <laughs> um, but oh, yeah, I got I got pretty drunk off the off the henny that night, and um, I'm glad you only know system. that part of the story because the rest of it is even wilder. Um, but I don't usually get like that. I don't. No, no. Fucking Bobby Boom Boom, they're little. No. no, I love that when you were like, "Yup, you swung the t-shirt, you threw it in," and then two minutes later, someone was like, "Ah, have a backdrop." <laughs> <laughs> and it was manky as well. Like, yeah, no, no, no! It hit the ground. It was like someone's like, "Oh, he probably wants that back." I guess. <laughs> yeah. What t-shirt was it? That's the all important question. Oh, but you know what? I had got I I ah uh, yeah. This is even sadder, isn't it? I got a special present 
Christmas present made up for myself, Mango and Bitter Rock. Bitter Rock designed this um, piece of art that was going to go on um, an electrical box in the city. And I had a shot of, um, or sorry, it was a, a kind of cartoon drawn of the Pillbeg Towers. And then um, he had over it, uh, lyrics from rapper going, like slang from the past, I'm rapping. And it looked beautiful, but he would never give me the image. So somehow, way, I got the image and I got it blown up onto three T-shirts exclusive Royce mm-hmm. limited edition mm-hmm. team you know three three. you know yeah three of three and I actually wrote on them one of three two of three three of three I and I had that. a massive on the back and I had like slang from the past oh, I'm rapping and the pool bag towers on it beautiful and I gave one to Mango I gave one I had one for myself and I had one for a bit of rock and uh, between the fucking madness of what happened that night I got complete disregard for what I was wearing took it off threw it into the crowd I kind of like the thing is like I can't wear it ever again it's like footprints still all over oh, man, the floor, you know that tar that's even better now though that's yeah, better because it's, it's, it's battle worn club culture yeah. <laughs> it'll be on eBay in 10 yeah, years yeah. time like me though you've an addiction to buying useless shit. have you bought anything lately uh, useless shit. well not um, useless shit. is in like figures and um I haven't, man. Do you know what? I've, I've, I've spent a lot of money on it, the, the Russian version of Crepitec. Um, you know, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> dog, this shit's crazy. Yeah, like, definitely killed your lungs. Like, <laughs> the, oh, yeah, do not do have any sure naked flames around you when you're spraying this stuff on your trainers or do it the in The Russian in a cl- version. Yeah, Where'd so, you fucking find this? On a Russian, Russian website. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Basically, there was some singles in my area, and one thing led to another. Yeah, but like, I've just been getting this stuff. Like, it, nothing will happen to your trainers ever with this gear on it. Like, you could fire a gun at the thing is Teflon. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? In the rush, yeah. runs away I'll from. I'll send sure. you the link. I'll send you the link. The <laughs> last pair of trainers I bought, I bought a pair of retro um, uh, SB Dunks. Um, from 2003-ish, they're like they're like the old, um, they're like the old Jordans. That it's the black, white, and red colorway. And um, I bought them from Japan. Tell um, you what you want to get. I haven't, but they kind of they've separation on the sole. You know the P rods. Yes, they did Jordan Black Cement three run like in about 2006. I got a pair of years ago, but they're after separating. But fuck, I tell you what, I love as well. But no, I hate it actually. Uh, the fact that SBs are also back in vogue now because of Travis Scott wearing them, and like yeah. those Dunkles oh, I have. It? Yeah, because oh, Travis Scott started all that. But the Dunkles, I got mine for 700 quid from a dude in Japan. And the same shoes are now 1,500 quid because mm-hmm. of the hype. They've doubled, man. And mine are signed by Lavelle now as there well. So, like, there you go. You got a good price at that time as well. Because oh, those Dunkles were going for upwards of two and a half grand for quite some time as well. Oh, yeah, so but SBs very, fell off. Yeah. Do you know oh, what I mean? No, they did, they did, they did. It's like Tiffany yeah. Dunks. I got Tiffany Dunks for like 650 quid. DS from uh, Womb, or not Womb, Womb's the club, a uh, Worm in Tokyo. And now they're like tipping a grand because of the latest like the, uh, diamond releases that came out, you know? Here's the thing, man. Who Honestly, I don't care about any of that stuff, man. I just love trainers. I don't give a fuck who's wearing what and what's in fashion or none of that, man. Because at some point, we've all been wearing the most popular trainer at some point in our life. It just mm-hmm. happens. It's all cyclical. And that's in terms what, of useless shit that you have, though, I really want that Masters of the Universe book. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool shit. Yeah. Lot, I have quite a few of them, man. Yeah, look, look, just t- take a trip up to the fucking gaff one day and we'll, we'll <laughs> go through everything, man. A big black sack. We'll have a trade, man. You've, you've a couple of bits that I want. and you have, I've a You're not getting that fucking James Lavelle dollar. I'm just going to rob it. <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting that. Instead of the time-honored tradition of asking you to choose one or the other, because I kind of know what side you'll fall down on. If they were still alive, how shit would Biggie and Tupac be? Tupac would be Will Smith. The jaw has dropped just, in the corner. Oh no! Like I, I love that he said that, but I'm just now I wanted to hear the justification because he's obviously thought about this. All right, so because he used it. to be all over Jada. 
It's not just a jaded well, thing. It's too, not yeah. just a jaded thing. He would be Will Smith, right? Because he was going to get out of that row records, right? Mm. He wasn't so squeaky clean, but he was going to be a fucking giant movie star. He was going to be huge. He wasn't going to be rapping anymore. He might have like done a, he's, uh, Ice Cube. Mm. Do you know that kind of thing? Yeah. He just would have fucking bum. And then all of a sudden he'd be like, are we there yet? And I'm looking at fucking Tug Life sitting in a boat with two kids. That's what <laughs> would have happened. Biggie, I don't know, man. I feel like Biggie... It could have went either way. I don't think he would have had that trajectory that Jay-Z took off his, you mm. know, like his streamlining. Yeah. Becoming a business. Yeah. Uh, I think he might have been a bit like of a Stuzz P, Jada Kissy, I got a juice bar, I'm living good, I'm all right. Because mm. he was only two albums in and the second album did really, really well because he got clapped like a fucking week beforehand. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if it would have done those numbers for the double CD if he wasn't shot. It's interesting though, I often wonder like music-wise how long till they fell off because everything I know, a lot of it would have been... falls off. Yeah, a lot of Except it would have been... Andre 2000. This he is can't true. fall off. And Jay. Oh, ah, come on. Bro. I don't think Jay's fallen off, He man. has fallen off, but now he's found his lane and he's asking us to forgive a lot of bullshit, man. Kingdom right. Come. It wasn't great. Show I don't what think... what you got was like... Sorry, but if he goes two albums back to back, then you've fallen off and nobody gonna gets back on the, the wagon. Yeah. But almost immediately, you know, he, he resurrected after... That was, oh. and it could have been a label obligation in terms of you know getting out of his deal. Absolutely. Anyway, he, he I had think the this money to get back on too short for us to get into that right now. Sadly. I can't imagine Big or Puck on a trap record. I can't. Oh, I can imagine Big one hundred percent. Can you? Yeah, he's Jamaican. He was I doing that know. crazy bone tripler flow. He was basically doing the I'm the danger bus. When did that bounce? That's basically Migos, man. That's triplets. He definitely would have. It's that age-old thing of, though, like, once you die and you've had that popularity, you're forever iconic. Yeah. You know? And did you remember the, when we were in Vegas for the McGregor fight and we were spinning around in that bus? Did you ever hear this story? No. Do you remember we all, there was about 12 of us in this party bus spinning around the strip in Vegas, right? The boys had ultrasonic and loads of gab, blah, 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 right? <laughs> Drinking. You, so what you, else? Do you have bottles of, do you have 40 ounces? That's remember. all I would drink That's while I was drinking. over there. Yeah, Brown yeah, paper yeah. bag, 40 ounces in the back of the van and we're spinning up and down the strip and the driver lad says, so where do you guys want to go? Fogo. Bring us to where Tupac got shot. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. man, I'm here. So I, want to, I want to see Koval it. and Flamingo. That <laughs> yeah. was a corner. I remember spinning around. And That's right. Really go, where Tupac got shot. Tupac right, come on, back to the session. Back to the ultrasonic. Did you pour out a 40? Out the window. Because he was holding the 40 and I was going to He wouldn't stop. Yeah, he wouldn't stop. So it was like... Yeah, to the t- to the Kandak and to the day, you know, <laughs> fucking fucking things out of a bus. <laughs> <to> the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, his mate, where his mate got shot. <laughs> to the soundtrack of the Star no Spangled Banner from Ultrasonic Forno. Ultrasonic in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Whopper it was. <laughs> I um, forgot about that actually. Yeah, Thank you. Of course it is. The 40 ounces. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. Like, uh, what do you call it? So, like classic rap we're talking about. Like this gig is on the three arena at the end of the year. This public enemy Wu Tang Dilla Soul thing. Yeah, man. Obviously, you're going to be in attendance, I assume, but is there anyone that you'd switch out in favour of having them instead of any of those three? DJ Premier as well will be whopping. He'll be there, yeah. He's hosting the whole thing. I think thing. the first people I would take out, honestly, would be Wu-Tang. Because unless all Wu-Tang is there. Because, mm. you know, you go to Wu-Tang, like, that's four of the Wu-Tang. Yeah. Like, if I just show up, it's not a Mango Man Man show, is it? Yeah, true. Do you know what I mean? I think they'd be forced. Capadonna on his own or something like that. You Do want you know Matt, you want Raekwon, you want the RZA. Yeah, of course. You, got you need the core. Of course, know, um, but only because I've seen Public Enemy so many times um, take I take them out and put the roots in oh I put the roots in that yeah that'd yeah. be a great show I'd love now. to see the roots I in like, there, man. Like, like the roots the catalogue man come on mm. for me the roots are actually the, the greatest hip hop uh, band of all, or group of all time is there anyone out there at the minute and you're not allowed to say Kanye because obviously he kind of already is to the youth but 
that you think in 10, 15 years will be considered iconic? Kendrick, obviously. I mean, he, he, he is the one. Because what Kendrick does, which is so smart, is that he walks both sides of the track. He walks the artistic side and he walks the commercial side with equal aplomb and credibility. He can do a track with Taylor Swift and nobody will bat, bat an eyelid. Oh, we all kind of bat you know? an eyelid. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, no, yeah, I mean... But for the most part, people people won't. You know, people like yeah, us yeah, might yeah. go, oh, yo, that's a bit ropey. Yeah, Don't yeah, maybe yeah. maybe not do that. And then he'll, he'll come back with, you know, to Pimp a Butterfly, you know, and, um, if these walls can talk and think. You know, like, that guy is is, is a special talent. Um, outside Jay Hoos. Yeah, you think I so? I think so. I think yeah. he's going to be, like, he brought Afro B to it. Like, them boy Pagan, Skepta, I think, is... Um, yeah, I think like people are really gonna like it after the whole buzz of everything in the UK and the resurgence that I had. I think people are gonna look back to him and can know when the changes start. And he's always working with different people from the new emerging sounds because he is he is a London boy, so he can't do tunes with Wizkid when Afrobeat pops off. He will do the you know the kind of trappy records or the drilly records, or whatever. But he is true and true, and I think a pop star as well. Do you know who's good from, or who I think, sorry for cutting you off. Um, oh, fuck you, man. So skeptic. <laughs> I've got some more. Yeah, yeah. No, but my train of thought picked up when you when you did mention skeptic is that it's going to be very interesting when uh, Stormzy releases this second album. I'm mad for it, man. Because Stormzy is a is now a pop star, yeah. but the music he make he makes is not pop music. You know, so you know, Big Free Your Boots has can work on radio on top 40 radio but for the most part a lot of the other records on you know they weren't for radio he's witnessing all yeah he's very socially conscious as well like his lyrics actually are commenting on the times that we like he's a big he speaks out about grandfall and and, and what happened there I think artistically yeah he has I think Stormzy Mm. It could be potentially a, shout, a, a, a big one from the UK in terms of an artist. even the book club that he's doing like there you go see that thing like it takes more than just music to be a cultural icon, icon and a superstar you have to give back to the community in any which way that you can legacy is not cemented through your music it's what you do outside of that as well that, that feeds that uh, iconic status um, Pac had it Big had it uh, Jay-Z has it um, Kendrick has it um, and Stormzy could I potentially have <laughs> you have yeah. it we hey, all got hey it hey the Lewis drivers more <laughs> yeah. Yeah. support the fucking nurses will you you know what I mean <laughs> but like Stormzy could be he's in contention yeah. what's the five year plan where would you like to see yourself in five years uh, wild high on the back of a boat getting sloppy toppy minted <laughs> in a penthouse like John Boy and Love Hate no man that gaff was shite did anyone else think like for a crime boss was like that's a that's a fucking that's a 700 euro a month kind of flat like we were in that gaff for Dublin Old School oh was that what there was yeah that's a mad so where gaff. they shot the party scenes where we yeah. were like DJing the, the, the mm-hmm. fucking after party um, which you were originally part of way back in the day I won't I know say nothing. I won't say anything I won't say anything I won't say anything when I was stay city front fall and tumbles through walls I'm not, I'm not that's as far as we're going to go with that story oh, Royce. Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? it's not about me where do you see yourself in five years you pricks it won't be in that gap I hope, I hope working and I hope 
uh, healthy and I hope alive and I hope um, still my friends and I hope we're still doing bigger and better things what's the next goal what is this fucking album <laughs> 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 to be honest it's the only good thing on my mind no, you know that's what? a deadline at this point bro <laughs> you know what I mean I think the next thing is um, yeah fuck the whole game up man start my own juice bars you know what I mean do you think you'll stay independent forever it all depends on the deal the offer you know and if the offer is right and if the offer should ever come if it makes sense then um, we'll do it. If not, you, the landscape is is totally flattened these days to to do what you want. You know, the, the the artists have a hell of a lot more power than they used to. So if the if it if it makes sense for us, then we'll do it. If not, we'll, you know. But like that's that, you know, touch wood that people do come knocking. We'll see though. I'm keeping my masters. That's all I'm saying. If anybody's listening, of the universe, I'm keeping my masters. You ain't gonna prince me, pal. <laughs>